Great, thanks, Cephas. And uh, good morning. Sabah al khair to any Arabic speakers that are with us this morning, uh, either here in person or online. And uh, very warm welcome to everyone. Uh, it's great to be together. My name is Kelvin. Uh, I'm one of the elders here at, at One Tribe, and uh, we're in the uh, the third week um, of our series called Coexist, uh, looking at the different faiths that exist um, within our city. Uh, we kicked off with looking at new atheism. Uh, last week, we looked at African traditional religion, uh, and this morning, we're looking at Islam. And um, I'm really loving this series. Um, I, I love diversity. Um, in, in my previous role, uh, I started a company, and uh, it... Um, one of the privileges of starting a company is that you get to uh, choose the management team, you get to set the culture. And uh, so, so Martin, my, my German co-founder, and I made a, a conscious decision to, uh, to have a, a diverse management team. And so uh, we, we recruited a team from all around the world. We, we operated remotely. And uh, we, um, we had um, people that were living in different countries and many different religions. So I'm an evangelical Christian. Uh, Martin, my co-founder, I, I think you would say he's atheist. Um, and then we had a Muslim, a Hindu, a Jew, um, and someone who was Greek Orthodox. And so we really were like the United Nations, and uh, it, it was fantastic. There was there's a real richness and, and diversity in our team as, as a result of that. And um, that, didn't, that also came with, with some particular challenges. Um, so I think early on, uh, a lot of things were lost in translation, especially with our Asian colleagues. But um, I, I really loved it. And uh, through this business, got the opportunity to travel to, to Pakistan, um, to India, where, where our, our two businesses were. And uh, really just a, a wonderful experience, learning about new cultures, uh, making new friends, experiencing the hospitality um, of those nations, the, the wonderful food. Um, and so diversity is something that's close to my heart, and um, I'm really loving this series. And um, so this morning, we're going to take a closer look at, at Islam. And uh, I just want to say a, a thank you um, to any Muslims that are here present um, or listening online. I, uh, I'm sure that you could explain um, what you believe far better than me. Uh, and while I have Muslim friends and I've read fairly widely, I'm certainly not an expert uh, in Islam. And uh, so for this talk, I've, I've relied fairly heavily on uh, friends within our family of churches that know a lot more than me and uh, that have lived and worked in Muslim countries for many years. And I want to just start off today by addressing any possible kind of preconceived prejudices that we may have, because I think in general that, that Muslims get a bad rap. So, uh, you know, if, if you watch Hollywood movies, very often the, the enemy or the bad guy um, is, a mus is a Muslim or, or a Muslim group. And uh, if you look at the Western media, they, they largely tend to focus on the extremist elements that exist within Islam. And so we can end up having this very negative stereotype of Muslims as kind of violent terrorists. And... Um, there are obviously, you know, certain extremist elements within Islam, and in Kenya we, we are very much acutely aware of this with, with Al-Shabaab and with the, um, the attacks at, at Westgate and Dusa, it's still very, very fresh in our memories. And if you're American, 9-11 will always be uh, an infamous and, and tragic day. But terrorists are not representative of the majority of Muslims any more than um, charlatan preachers are representative of Christianity. And so there's, there's a real breadth um, of, de of, of practice and belief within Islam. Um, but because of the worst elements, we can tend to maybe um, prejudge and at worst, I mean, at best, be suspicious and at worst, despise. But brothers and sisters, uh, it should not be so um, because we are called to love 
Uh, that's the heart of who we are, because God is, is love, as we've been uh, wonderfully singing about this morning. And Jesus demonstrated that most profoundly for us on the cross. Um, Romans 5, 8 says, God showed, his love for us, chose, God showed his love for us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So when we were God's enemies, we were opposed to him, we were rejecting him, um, we were living for ourselves. As Cephas was just praying, Jesus, out of his great love for us, came and rescued us and, and died on the cross for us. And that's what the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And so as we come today to think about Islam, as we think about engaging with our Muslim neighbors, the overarching banner over it should be love. And um, that's, that's super important. If, if you don't take away anything else from today, take away this. And I also want to gently say that even if you have been personally affected by, by Islamic terrorism, and I know that, that some of us have, that we, we've lost friends or colleagues in either the Westgate or the Ducid attacks, that, that even then, brothers and sisters, uh, we should forgive and we should love. Jesus said, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. And Jesus lived that out in the ultimate way on the cross. And while there, you know, there's, there's some Muslims and a minority who, who kill in order to advance their cause, for us, we're called to the opposite. We're called to, to lay down our lives even to the point of death, to advance the kingdom of God. We're called to take up our cross out of love and follow the example of our Savior. And so my main and most important appeal to us this morning is to our hearts. Let, let them be f full of love um, as, as we come to this topic, as we engage with, with Muslim neighbors. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that we have life and we have hope, we have eternal life, because you died for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you demonstrated your amazing, incredible love for us by coming to rescue us, by dying on a cross, by bearing the punishment that we deserved. And so, Lord, thank you um, that this morning we, we stand loved, accepted, your children because of that. And so we, we celebrate that this morning. We want to pray, Lord God, that we would live out the same type of love, whether we've been wronged, whether we just have prejudices. I just pray, God, that you would help us, that you'd fill our hearts with love. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so the symbol of Christianity is a cross, um, and it's a bit of a strange symbol because it's kind of a, a symbol of, uh, of punishment and, and of death and of torture. Um, but the reason why it's the symbol of Christianity is, as we've been saying, because it represents ultimate love. It's, uh, it's God showing to us that um, instead of uh, it, it being something of tragedy, it represents victory because Jesus came and he died on the cross and he defeated death on our behalf. The Muslim symbol uh, is a crescent, um, and at certain times of the month, uh, the, the moon is, is an arc of light in the sky that defies the darkness of the cosmos. It's a sliver of light that reflects the glory of the sun, and, and Muslims believe in the same way Islam reflects the glory of sovereign Allah. And so this morning, we're going to un unpack that. We're going to unpack what Muslims believe, and we're going to look at some of the, the commonalities um, between Islam and Christianity, and also some of the key differences. Um, and as we start with what Muslims believe, I think it's, it's just important to say that um, Islam is not monolithic. So 
you know, as I said before, there's a wide range of belief and practice within Islam. And, and so what Muslims believe really depends on uh, the branch of Islam that, that they come from, and, and Sunni and Sufi are the two main ones. It also depends on, on, on what the, the cleric that they listen to um, is teaching. And so it's not possible to cover the full breadth of all of that in one message this morning. And so we're going to mainly focus on the fundamentals, the real basics um, of Islam. It also then follows that it's important that when we're engaging with Muslims that um, we, we find out through relationship what actually the, the person that we're engaging with believes. Uh, we can't just assume uh, because there are, there are so many different um, practices and beliefs within the religion as it is in Christianity. So to start off, we're going to just look at some of the, the fundamentals um, of what Muslims believe. Um, and the first one um, is the profession of faith, that there is no God but Allah, and that Muhammad is his final prophet. That's one of the five pillars of Islam that we'll look at in a moment. Um, Islam itself means submission. So, so God is the creator, he's the judge, he's the supreme one, he's the sovereign one, and the only response that we should have you know, if, if we're a Muslim um, is to submit our entire lives to him. Muslims believe that judgment is coming, um, as we do, and that God will send people either to heaven or to hell, um, depending on what you believe, so that if you profess faith in Islam, but also um, whether you, your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. Um, and so there's no um, sense of assurance of salvation uh, in Islam. You have to wait until the, the scales are weighed, uh, in a sense, on, on judgment day to find out. Muslims believe that God has revealed himself through the prophets, um, and that, that starts with Noah and Abraham and many of the Old Testament prophets that we believe in. Um, it includes Jesus. Um, but then Muslims believe that Muhammad is the final prophet, that after all the, these other prophets, he came and brought the, the final and full revelation of God through the Quran. Muslims also believe that, that Islam is the true religion, um, that at the, at the core of true Judaism and Christianity is Islam, but that, that Jews and Christians have distorted our scriptures and so that God needed to send Muhammad, the final prophet, um, to, to bring the, the, the full revelation. And as I said, there are, there are five pillars in Islam. Um, the first is the profession of faith, that there's no God but Allah, and that Muhammad is, is, his, is his final prophet. The second one is prayer. Uh, and so um, Muslims, as you know, will, will pray five times a day facing Mecca. Uh, and before they do that, they need to, to wash their arms, their feet, their mouth, and their nostrils. And the prayers are generally prayers of, of praise and adoration. And then on Friday, um, typically mostly the men will go to the mosque um, and there'll be a set prayer service. Um, the third one is, is almsgiving. And so depending on the, on the branch of, of Islam, uh, Muslims will give between 2.5% and 20% of their income to the poor. Uh, the, fourth, the fourth one is fasting. Um, and so during the month of Ramadan, which we've most recently had, um, Muslims will abstain from food, from any form of liquid, from tobacco, from sex, from, um, first, from the first light until um, full darkness for the full month. And um, so you can see already as we just go through these, these, um, some of these um, pillars that there are many similarities with Christianity. We also believe in one God. We believe in prayer. We believe in giving to the poor. We believe in fasting. And the, the, the fifth pillar is uh, if, if you can afford it, if possible, um, to take a pilgrimage to Mecca at, at, at some time during your life. 
And um, so as we, as we get into kind of more of the details, I think it's helpful to give some, some context on how the religion started um, and how it grew. Um, and it really all began with, uh, with, with Muhammad. And uh, he was born in, in AD 570 uh, in Mecca, which is in Saudi Arabia. It used to be Arabia in those days. And uh, his father died before he was born. Um, his mother died um, soon after his birth. And so he was brought up by his uncle. Um, they were a fairly poor family. Um, he was illiterate. And, and most of the life of Muhammad is uh, we, we get through the, what's called the Hadith, which is a, um, traditions about the life of Muhammad that were collected uh, by his friends, that were collected um, by trusted Islamic leaders. Um, and, and much of practice in, in Islam uh, comes from the Hadith. Um, not much is known about Muhammad's early days, but um, we know that um, when, when he was in his 20s, he started working. Um, he started working for a, um, a lady called Khadija, who, who was a, 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 in trade, um, and he was a salesperson for her, and um, he did really well. He was a great salesman. Um, and when he was 25, Khadija, um, who was 40 at the time, um, asked him to marry her, um, to which he agreed. Uh, and uh, so even though there was a big age difference, uh, by all accounts, they had a very happy marriage. Um, they had several kids together. And they lived in, in Mecca, which was at that time a pagan city. So in, in most of Europe, it was being centralized. Um, Christianity w was spreading, was, was the main religion. But in the Arab Peninsula, it was filled with these kind of warring tribes that had no unified government or economy or religion. Uh, and so they, and they each, each of tribe had their own gods. Um, they, were, they were generally polytheistic. So they believed in many gods. And um, they would trade with each other, but there was no unification um, between these different tribes. So in, in AD 610, um, things really started to happen um, in terms of uh, the beginning of, of Islam. And it was at that time that, that Muhammad was um, out uh, in the desert in a cave. This was during the, the, the month of Ramadan. And he believed he received a, a vision or a revelation from God. And initially, he thought it was an evil spirit that was, that was troubling him. Um, but Khadija, his wife, convinced him that it was good, that it was from God. And so he, he became convinced that it was the angel Gabriel, actually, that had given him this revelation. And uh, he couldn't read or write, so he, um, he, he kind of um, spoke it out to, to Khadija and to his cousin, who was a Christian, and they, began to, and they wrote it down. And uh, there was a period then of, of two or three years where he didn't really have any more um, revelations, and, and so he began to, began to become depressed about that, you know, wondering, Does, is God really speaking to me? Um, but then after that, he just started to receive um, more revelations again, and uh, he, he wrote these down, and he began to preach about them. And uh, his intent at that time was not to start a new religion. He believed that he was particularly God's mouthpiece, God's prophet to the Arabs, just in the same way that, that Moses had been um, God's prophet to the Jews. It was the same God that he was talking about, um, and his focus was on the polytheistic, idol-worshipping Arabs, because the Jews and the Christians already knew God. And um, not many people responded to his message. So, you know, for a number of years, he was, was preaching in Mecca, and uh, he didn't really receive many followers. And uh, actually, there was, there was persecution against him um, in that city. He, he, he really wasn't successful at all. But after 12 years of, of trying in Mecca, he decided to, to leave with his small group of followers, and they went 400 kilometers north um, to a city called Medina. Um, and there he continued to preach, but this time focusing a lot on the, the Jewish tribes that lived in that city. And at that time, um, there, there's, there's a number of Quranic revelations um, and, and statements that, that are really positive about Jews and Christians. It says, go and read the book of the Jews and Christians, um, and it says that, that they will also be in heaven. 
But he was increasingly rejected um, by the Jews as he preached to them. Um, and so the statements in the Quran then later become more intolerant and aggressive towards Jews. He, at that time, then changed the direction of, of the prayer from Jerusalem, as it was initially, to, to Mecca. Um, there's a statement in, in, in Surah 9, which is, and Surah is a, is a chapter of the, of the Quran, which says, fight those people of the book, i.e. the Jews, who do not believe in Allah. And he also accused the Jews at that time of, of changing their scriptures. So that was one important change that happened in, in Medina. But another one was that um, Muhammad also went from being just a religious leader to, to a political one because he was really politically talented. Um, and so he was able to unify the various Arab tribes that were in Medina um, to form a, a Medina constitution. He was appointed as a judge. Um, and so he really became a leader um, in that city um, politically. But at the same time, he faced real challenges because um, he had a whole lot of followers that had come with him from Mecca, that left their belongings, their, their jobs, and so he needed to provide a livelihood for them. Um, and his solution to that was, was raids um, on, on, on neighboring tribes, and so they started um, doing these raids, um, supported by Quranic revelation. Um, and initially, he wasn't so successful, um, but after about 18 months of doing this, they started to have some success um, and um, to really capture some wealth, um, which really... <clears throat> increased the, the, the wealth in Medina at that time. And so he, he grew bit by bit, uh, and later as, as, as more followers came, as, he, as his military strength increased, he also began to, to spread Islam by the sword. Uh, so he conquered uh, Mecca um, in AD 630. He went, he went back with an army. And, um, and following this, many other tribes um, pledged allegiance to the Prophet. And so one, one of the things that, that he was really successful at was being able to, to unify uh, a lot of the Arab tribes under this, this common religion of Islam. His life then, then ended in, in 632. Um, at the age of 63, uh, he died of, of sudden but, but natural causes. And uh, so, so that's the life of Muhammad. That's kind of the, the, the early start of Islam. Um, it spread from there, um, mainly in, in the Arabian Peninsula. And, and Muhammad, I mean, Muhammad was, is seen as the, the last prophet, as I said, um, by Muslims, um, which is the highest honor in Islam. And so, you know, there were these other prophets, and Jesus was the most important one up until Muhammad came. Um, but Muslims don't believe that Muhammad was divine. Um, he's the most important person after Allah, but he's, he's not God. And uh, they, they, they highly venerate and, and love Muhammad. And I think um, you'll know that, that even a slight disparagement of, of the prophet um, will produce a really heated response from even the most um, liberal Muslim. And uh, his lifestyle, as it's recorded in the Hadith, is, is really very influential in, in, in Muslim culture and practice. So um, moving on, um, an, an important thing to note is just how um, Muslims view God. And, um, and so in Islam, God is, is all-powerful. He's sovereign. He does what he pleases. He's incomparably the greatest. Um, so when Muslims say Allah Akbar, they're, they're saying God is, is absolutely the greatest. Um, and he is separate. He is other. Uh, he, there's no kind of human-style emotion in God, in Islam. He doesn't come close to us. He doesn't get involved in our lives in any way. And, and a central doctrine of God is what's called Tawid, 
um, which refers to the unity or the oneness of God. So there's absolutely no duality at all in God. Um, and, and a consequence of that is that, that God has no son. Uh, and so the Quran is, is really explicit about that. It really attacks the, the Christian view of, of a trinity. Um, and that also really affects Muslim practice, this, 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 this oneness or the unity. So you know, when, when the, the men are in mosque on a Friday to pray, they'll all be in a line. Um, they all do exactly the same things at the same time. They say the same prayers in the same dialect that Muhammad used. There's, there's no regional differences. So that's the same all around the world. Uh, and that's reflecting that this, this oneness or unity. There's, there can't be any, any duality. And uh, key, obviously, to, um, to Islam is the Quran, which is the, the full and the final revelation of God that was, that was given through Muhammad in Arabic. And uh, it has 114 chapters, which are called surahs, and uh, they're arranged from basically from the longest to the shortest, with the exception being the first one, which is uh, an introductory prayer. So they're not chronological. Um, and so if you were to read the Quran, um, it can, can seem a bit random as you go through it. Um, and in the Hadith, we have the, the chronological order, which helps with that. And um, Muslims believe that it's 114 dictations from God um, directly to Muhammad. And there's not much narrative in it, um, so it's not, not much of a story. So, for example, the, the life of, of Muhammad is not really captured in there. We have to get that from the Hadith. Um, it's, it's in Arabic. Um, it can only be read in Arabic um, because that is the divine revelation. Um, and so it's not accessible to everyone um, because not everyone speaks Arabic. And so uh, most people get their understanding from, from the teaching in the mosque. And um, it can't be translated. So you know, I, I have a version of the Quran in, in English, and this is what's called an interpretation, not a translation, because only the original Arabic uh, is the true and, and divine revelation from God. And um, so, so Muslims do believe that it is 100% divine, that it, is a, that it is a miracle. Muhammad claimed that the Quran was his, his one and only miracle. Um, and, it, and they also believe that it has never been changed. And so the equivalent in Christianity of the Quran is, is not the Bible, it's actually Jesus. Because Jesus is, we believe, the, the revelation of God, the, the embodiment of God that to, um, to, to, to us as humans. Um, and for Muslims, that's the Quran. This is the full and final divine revelation of the Holy One um, to human beings. And the Bible is, um, is many books written by different people, but the Quran is just one book. Um, the Bible is, is the word of God that is communicated and written by um, people with, uh, with different experiences, with different um, cultures, different level of, level, levels of education. God communicates his message through them. Whereas the Quran, um, Muslims believe um, you know, that Muhammad's personality or experience played absolutely no part in it at all. It was kind of complete dictation um, from God to him. So I think those are just some, some brief uh, uh, summaries of uh, kind of the basics of, of Islam. Um, there's, there's much more to be said, but uh, in, in the short space, we can't cover uh, more than that. And even in what I've said, there might be some differences in, in what some Muslims believe. And so, as I said before, it's really important to, to find out what the person that you're talking to actually believes. Um, I want to move on now just to talk about some of the things that we have in common. And uh, I think that, that often we, we, we underestimate um, the kind of the, the commonalities that we might have with Islam, but there, there are quite a number. So um, we both believe that the scriptures are God's word, um, the, the Old Testament, the Torah, uh, and the Gospels. Uh, in his early years, Muhammad spoke often of how the Jews and Christians should continue to trust the scriptures that God had given them since they were God's word. And the Quran speaks that, um, that long before the Prophet Muhammad, 
Allah revealed the, the Torah and the gospel for, for mankind's guidance. That's in Surah 3. And, um, and observing the Torah and the gospel brings nourishment from above in Surah 5. We both believe that, that God is one. Um, we both believe that there's a, a day coming called Judgment Day when we will give an account for our lives um, before Almighty God. We both believe that we're meant to live our lives before an audience of one who doesn't just um, look at, at, at what we do, but also our motivations, doesn't just look at what we do in public, but also in private. We believe that God wants us to live lives of devotion to him, um, as we've seen in, in prayer, in giving, in fasting. And we also share um, many common beliefs about Jesus. So the Quran speaks a lot about the prophet Jesus. Um, can just give you a couple of examples. Um, it says that Allah appointed Mary to be the virgin mother of Jesus, the Messiah. It says that Jesus would live a, a righteous or sinless life. Um, Allah taught Jesus his religion and commanded Jesus to establish it. Allah did many miracles to Jesus, including raising the dead, healing the sick, and cleansing the leper. And that at the end of his life, Allah, Allah gathered Jesus and caused him to be resurrected and ascended to Allah himself. But obviously, um, Muslims will stop short of saying that Jesus is God himself, um, and they don't believe that um, Jesus died on the cross. And so there are some key differences, and I want to talk about those now and just respectively explain what we as Christians believe um, in terms of these areas. And so I think the first important one, which you, you may have picked up already, is that we believe that, that God is Father, um, which is a foreign concept um, in Islam. In Islam, the general picture is, is of us as a slave and God as a master. And uh, the Quran specifically condemns um, calling God a father uh, and us his children. He is high and mighty. He is apart from us, and he doesn't in any way draw close to us or get involved in our lives. But for us... Um, you know, a key part of how we understand God, how we relate to God, is, is of God as a father. And I just want to read you a quote from J.R. Packer um, in a great book called Knowing God. And he says the following, You sum up the whole of the New Testament teaching in a single phrase if you speak of it as a revelation of the fatherhood of the Holy Creator. In the same way, you sum up the whole of the New Testament religion if you describe it as knowledge of God as one's Holy Father. For everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that is distinctively Christian as opposed to merely Jewish, is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father is the Christian name for God. And so we, we believe as we were singing this morning, as we were praying, that, that God is love. God is a father who loves us. He cares about us. He's involved in our lives. And uh, he treats us tenderly as a father would with, with his children. And so that's a, a fundamental difference in the way that we conceive God. We also believe, obviously, that Jesus is God. And um, many Muslims, when they hear um, that Jesus is the Son of God, falsely believe that, that God had sex with a woman. Um, but that's obviously not the case. And we also believe in, in the um, miraculous conception in the virgin birth. And um, the Quran sort of attacks this um, this belief that God took a son, um, so in Surah 19. Um, but we, we don't believe that either. Um, taking a son refers to God making a human being God, uh, and that's, that's not what we believe. We believe the opposite, that the God himself took on human form in order to save us. And then Muslims will say that you know, it's not possible to, for God to take on human form because he is great and exalted. I think that really comes from our, our different views of God. Um, and so we believe that, that God is love, that he's a father. And so um, Jesus said that greater love has no one than this, and he laid out in his life for his friends. And so the greatness 
of God is, is in love uh, is, is that he came and that he humbled himself as a man in order to save us. And uh, there's no greater expression of love than, than Jesus um, expressed on the cross. And so for us, um, that is a key form of greatness. But we also believe that God is high and exalted and, and, and worthy of all our honor and worship. The Quran also attacks um, this belief in, in three gods, and uh, which according to Surah 5 is, is actually um, God the Father, Jesus, and Mary. And so there's a kind of mistaken belief of, of what the Trinity is in the Quran. Um, but obviously we, we, we believe in, in one God, and this concept of the Trinity, that, but God is in three persons, that God is a Father, that Jesus um, revealed God to us, um, by, by coming in human form, and that there we experience the Holy Spirit. And it's a mystery, um, but it's, it's the reality of God that the Bible teaches and that we experience. I know God as Father. I know Jesus as my Savior, and, and I know and love um, the work of the Holy Spirit. Muslims will also say that, that Jesus never claimed to be God. That's, a, that's a one that I've, I've very often heard. Um, but obviously, if you read the Gospels, um, it's very clear that Jesus did claim um, to be God. And just one example is the reason that Jesus was condemned to be, to, to be crucified. Um, if, you, if you look at the, what was the charge for that, um, the, Ro the Romans didn't find him guilty of treason. Um, it was that the, the Jews were accusing him of blasphemy. And, and why did they accuse him of blasphemy? Well, the, the reason was um, John... 858, that, that they wanted to stone him because he said, before Abraham was, I am. He took the, the, the Old Testament Jewish name for God uh, and claimed it for himself. And so it was very clear to the Jews that Jesus was claiming to be God. Um, and so that it was blasphemy and he deserved to die. And lastly, I would say that, that Jesus fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies that foretell the coming of a Savior. Um, there's very many of them, but one, just one example is, is in Isaiah. And in Isaiah 7, he prophesies that uh, the virgin will be with child and his name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. And uh, it, it carries on later in Isaiah chapter 9 and, and talks that this, this coming son born of the virgin will be a mighty God, that he will have an everlasting kingdom. And we believe that that is fulfilled in Jesus and that every other prophecy um, that exists in the Old Testament is fulfilled um, in, in the life um, and death and resurrection of Jesus including the, the, the very many prophecies like in Isaiah that uh, the Savior would, would die and that would rise again. And so we believe um, that Jesus died on the cross, which, which Muslims don't believe. They taught from a very early age um, that that never happened. Um, but it is, it's one of the, the most well-attested facts of history that uh, Jesus lived 2,000 years ago um, and that he was crucified on a cross by the Romans. Jesus himself prophesied that it would be so um, in, in Mark chapter 10 when he said, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And the Quran doesn't actually condemn this belief in Jesus as a Savior. It's actually silent on it. It doesn't um, say anything about it at all. But one of the, the objections that Muslims often have um, to this is, is, is to substitutionary atonement. They, they say, how can one man be a substitute for us all? But um, even in the Quran, there is this, this idea of substitution because um, the story that we have in the Bible of, of Abraham um, uh, going to sacrifice his son Isaac, that, that same story is in the Quran, although in the Quran it's Ishmael, not Isaac, that's being sacrificed. But nevertheless, it says in the Quran that just before um, Abraham came to sacrifice his son, um, it says, and we ransomed him with a momentous sacrifice. God provided a lamb in the place of Ishmael so that um, he didn't have to die. And so we believe that that is a prophetic picture of what Jesus 
used it, that he was the lamb that was slain, that he came to take our place so that we didn't have to be, um, to be killed because we all deserve to die um, because of our sin. But Jesus took our place. He took our punishment. And so that, 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 that's a picture of how Jesus substituted himself for us. Lastly, um, just difference I want to highlight is that we believe that, that salvation is through Jesus alone. Now, in, in Islam, um, salvation, as I said, is through professional faith, but also by um, doing more good things than bad things. Um, so we see in, in Surah 3, um, this quote, then those whose balance of good deeds is heavy, they will attain salvation. Those whose balance is light, they will lose their souls. In hell they will abide. And other verses say that, that good deeds blot out evil deeds. And so from, from when you're born um, in Islam, um, you're, you're, what you do goes on either a good scale or a bad scale. And uh, at Judgment Day, God will weigh those scales. And uh, if the good exceeds the bad, um, then you're all good. You, you're in heaven. Um, otherwise, you go to hell. And so there, there can never be any assurance of salvation. Um, although there is this belief in, 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 in some um, uh, elements of, of Islam that that martyrdom uh, it, it kind of kind of wipes out all, all the, the the bad things that you've done previously, and so is, is a way of assuring your salvation. But what we believe is that Jesus came to wipe away the scales. That it's not the the good that is saved, because none of us are good enough um, to meet God's holy standard. It's those that are forgiven, those that who who believe um, in Jesus, who paid the price, as I've been saying, for our sins on the cross, so that we um, didn't have to bear them ourselves. And um, some Muslims will will argue on this point and say. Um, it's, it's a problem with Christianity that, that you claim to be forgiven, um, and yet many Christians don't live holy or righteous lives. And, and I, I would agree with her that that is a problem, um, and that we, sh we should um, follow the verse that says, do not use God's grace as an opportunity to sin. And uh, I know that in, in my life that, that God's grace um, is, is the key motivator for um, giving my life to him, for, for out of gratitude, um, out of love for him. I want to I give my life to the one who gave it for me. And so in Islam, um, it's, it's I obey, and then God accepts me. In Christianity, it's the opposite way around. God accepts me, and then out of that, I, I respond to that, I obey. God first loves me, and then I respond to God's love. I love him back. This is the love relationship that we have with, with God our Father that is made possible um, through Jesus' death on the cross, that's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so those are some, some of the key differences that I just wanted to highlight. And, and so as we, as we come to a close in this message, uh, I hope this equips you with, with a basic understanding of Islam, some of the, the common points that, that we have with our Muslim brothers and sisters, um, but also some of the key differences. And I just want to close by talking about how we engage um, with our Muslim neighbors. And um, as I said, I think the, the overarching principle should be one of love. And uh, I don't think it's helpful for us to, to challenge um, or to argue, uh, to be confrontational. I think our approach should rather be one of, of building bridges uh, and, and, and gently and lovingly um, building relationship um, with our Mus Muslim brothers and sisters. And I think it's helpful to, to think of the of the way that the, the early disciples 
walked as they as they began to understand um, Christianity, because um, that that's a similar way in which um, uh, Muslims can can start to um, understand <coughs> Christianity. And so, if you look at the the early disciples, um, they were they were Jews, they were good monotheists, and so um, then they started to follow Jesus, and then they believed he was a prophet. But they it was it was a while before they understood that that he was God. And so they they walked they walked this journey. Um, Jesus predicted that he would um, he would die on the cross and be resurrected again. And it's only after that that Thomas says, yeah, my Lord and my God. And so this revelation then comes to Thomas. Actually, this is, Jesus is the son of God. And so, so then, you know, he was a monotheist and, and, and now, you know, two, one God has become two. And then a, a few weeks later, um, there's the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit is poured out and the believers experience God, the Holy Spirit. And so now there's this experience of the, of the Trinity. And so I think, I think it's helpful um, for you know, us to help um, our Muslim brothers and sisters walk in the same kind of journey, um, to first fall in love with, with Jesus as a prophet, um, who they do accept, uh, and then to, to, to gradually get further revelation um, as, as God helps us. And so I trust this, this message has helped you with a, with a new appreciation and respect um, for our Muslim brothers and sisters, um, and that we're more equipped to reach out, um, to build bridges out of love. Because I think we, we are privileged to, to live in a city where um, we are free to speak about our faith without persecution. And we're, we're in a city uh, where uh, there is much diversity. It's, it's a cosmopolitan city. There are many different faiths. And so um, we want to use this opportunity that God's given us um, in this city um, for his glory. And so um, I want to encourage us as a body to do that um, as, as we engage with all the different types of faiths, um, including Muslims that, that live in our city.